Hello, everybody. Welcome to hey another guys. episode of Movies Are Dead. As always, I am your host, Nick. I'm Boris. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys, so today's episode is all about Body Double. Ugh, by body Double. Dude. Oh, it's gonna get hot oh, here. Oh, man, dude. Okay, the reason why Boris says that is because this movie, a lot of nudity in this movie. It's a spicy, sure. steamy 80s movie, dude. Yeah. I think it also has a lot in its mind, you know. Has a little bit of, uh, of ideas going on underneath. There's a ton of ideas. First of all, I mean, uh, Brian De Palma, you know, this was his follow-up to Scarface. Um, this movie was really, I would say, almost ahead of its time, I would think. I think this movie, it's, all, it's weird. It, it's like sort of in a period of the big blockbuster, right? Big actors, big... Uh, studio machine mogul of the 80s. Right, this came after Scarface. Yeah. so One year after. One year after Scarface. And, you know, it feels like this movie should have been, like, you know, of the bygone era, melodrama, you know, uh, Hitchcock-themed, you know, studio, old-school studio system, Universal Studios, Warner Brothers, that type of thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, he really takes Hitchcock's ideas... And a lot of his visual mm -hmm. concepts and turns them into something that's uh, a bit more explicit, I guess, would be the word. He yeah, doesn't hold back. No, he doesn't. It's like Rear Window meets like a Skinamax movie. Right, <laughs> yeah. Cinemax. Definitely. For all you young kids out there, do not get Google Skinamax or Cinemax. But for the millennials out there... Yeah. You know, we grew up on Cinemax. <laughs> Cinemax I didn't get HBO. that channel. Oh, you did? I never heard of it, yeah. In Mexico, oh, you're like, this damn TV. No, nothing, <laughs> nothing of that nature. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, like you were saying, this is a much more salacious, and um, mm -hmm. I think De Palma, after Scarface, Dress to Kill, um, after all the um, criticisms he got because of the violence and the nudity mm -hmm. and sex those movies had, he really, uh, he has more of a, you know, he doesn't back down. He has more of like a prankster spirit where he's like, oh, you don't like what I'm doing. I'm going to go even bigger. Yeah, this, this movie has a real like F.U. spirit to it. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but it's almost like he like took the idea of like violence and Scarface and then elevated that with like sex. Mm -hmm. Almost an idea, like human ideas around sex. So for those of you who don't know... Uh, body double is how would you describe it like a sultry suspenseful drama definitely yes right? definitely yeah it's uh, more as the completely like a suspense thriller it's there it's there uh, it, to make you squirm in your seat mm -hmm. and go oh what's gonna happen if, yeah die yeah. yeah and then for those of you who haven't seen it check it out because this is gonna be full of spoilers and plot you know stuff like that so check it out but to sum it up it's a movie about this actor who, after bombing a scene in a big-time movie, is finally gets his big break. He goes home to discover that his girlfriend's cheating on him. Then uh, has to find a place to live. After that, somehow gets mixed up by chance in sort of witnessing a murder at a house he's subletting. Right? House sitting is sorry. House yeah. sitting, right? Well, the big thing is about Jake's character, played by Sam Watson, right? Craig Watson. Craig Watson, there you go, yeah. Yeah. Sam's his friend in the movie, but. There you go, yeah. 
Well, Jake's claustrophobia is his fatal flaw. It's the one that's preventing him from becoming the person that he wants to be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, specifically in that acting scene, like, um, Sam, his friend, the guy who sort of, like, lures him into the uh, house-sitting gig, witnesses that and takes advantage of him, takes advantage of his, like, his problems, his trauma, you know. And it sort of leads into, like, this, like crazy chain of events where he witnesses a murder a la rear window yeah but the way the movie is filmed it's a very 80s movie like it's very yuppie very 1980s LA I think a double feature a good double feature with this movie would be like To Live and Die in LA right or like maybe like uh, Fright Night for some reason. I was Fright thinking, thinking of Fright Night. I don't this know is a very eighties movie, so yeah, extremely recalls those kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. But also, the whole movie sort of feels like sort a of like a dream. Yeah, it doesn't feel real at all. No, this movie does not feel because it's just like over the top. It's yeah. cheesy. Uh -huh. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's trying to be like eighty things at once, and it pulls most yeah. of them off. But it, it does, just leaves yeah. you with the feeling that it doesn't take place exactly in the real world world yeah and i think you could, that can be said for a lot of the Palma movies that they're just not like a parallel universe almost yeah oh um, yeah it's yeah. they're sort of all sort of dreamlike honestly like that. starface does definitely. definitely an immigrant coming over yeah to america and he's almost like when they ask him in scarface how'd you learn to speak english he's like bogart guide me right right you learn from the movies exactly know? the palma is just like he makes his movies feel like movies he's not interested in realism He's not yeah. interested in, in anything else than I agree, yeah. just being, just making the best movie he can. The Even most... Untouchables doesn't feel like... Right, it's like some real. sort of, it's like, it feels like it's in a movie set taking it, place in the 30s. It does, right? It yeah. does, it feels like a like an old Cagney movie or something. Right. Like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And it's just, it works because it's just so consistent in maintaining that idea of it being a dream. And I think you can say that for all of his movies, honestly. But especially this one, because this one is pure de Palma. It's it it's is, all yeah. his obsessions and ideas and desires yeah, put in one movie. Parody of Hollywood. Yeah. Know, like even the house it's filmed in, the the, the house that um Jake is house sitting in, the, mm -hmm. the chemosphere house, I believe. The UFO saucer house. Um even that house, it doesn't feel real. Like, even when the characters are going up a tram to get to that house, it's like they're ascending to this, like, heavenly spot. I don't right. know. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah. And, like, the layout of the of the house, how, like, easy it is, and, like, the circle bed that, that spins, and the TV with, like, the endless and TV videos and porno on it. Mm -hmm. Like, a preview to the internet. And, like, it's right. just very, like... Yeah, it's almost like a dream. And when he watches her, like, do the strip tease and, like how into it he gets and he has the telescope and and just that moment where he's watching her undress and the score picks up and like uh and the synth and like everything how it, it's almost like a like a striptease and like but it's i don't know it's like a fantasy just for him it seems like the movies itself is trying to seduce you but also making you complicit in what jake is doing yeah it is huh? trying to make you feel um it's okay, I guess. It's trying to like, seduce you into doing this thing that's yeah. even, that's really violating yeah. and creepy. Even even when he gets into like the whole porno underground scene of like of LA mm -hmm. and he's like starting to become involved in that, like it's almost like you wanna go into this world with him and you have to, 
But it, it also feels like there's this shame to it. I don't know how to describe that. Like, yeah. Specifically for the time, because it's like Reagan era. Mm-hmm. Country was very conservative around that time, so our ideas of like pornography and like violence were like, oh my god, you know what I mean? Definitely. Well, there's a lot to talk about there, uh, but um, the most interesting thing about Jake's character is that, he, like you said, there's a bit of a shame there. There is yeah. a um, the movie's called Body Double. There's a lot of doubling. And for his character, there's the part of him that wants to be the hero, the rescuer, the guardian to Gloria. And then there's the creepy side. And there's the creepy guy <laughs> yeah. who's following her around the mall. <laughs> oh, that's right. Who's I love standing that. in the window. As that is such a her. creepy scene. Yeah, and he doesn't it's try insane. to hide it. Yeah. Because he has this idea in his head, this fucked up idea, that he's uh, there to protect her. Right? It's like a fatherly instinct. I don't know. I'm just Might be. It. I think he just wants to possess her in that creepy way men do. Yeah. And then after that, um, yeah. he follows her to the beach. Yeah. And very this, weird scene, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were saying, it's very surreal, very yeah. dreamlike. And this man comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Takes the uh, grace, grace, glorious purse. The Indian described, right? The right. Indian. Yeah. And there's a lot to talk about there too. <laughs> Did you see, like, the whole get-up, the makeup, and, like, of the Indian, and, like... I really like that scene where it's night two of the striptease, mm-hmm. and, like, he notices the dude, like, welding something. Yeah. And she's stripteasing in the distance. That's such an, like, 80s shot. Like, it's, like, the sparks flying. It's almost like a music video, I don't know. It's right, it's very... Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. But, um, interesting thing about that scene also is that he feels some sort of possession towards her that, like, he's the only Jealousy. one who can watch her. Jealousy, yeah. And he's like, oh, who's this guy? He can't watch her. It's only Such for a me. creepy scene. Both of them just staring yeah. at her. And then, mm-hmm. and yeah, but we're also staring at her. We're watching the movie. And movies are for creeps. <laughs> All of them. Because, it's, yeah, it's intrinsically a voyeuristic thing to just peer <laughs> into somebody else's movie? life. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That is, that is a great idea. Yeah, I mean, the idea of movies peering into another life another universe that i mean you want to live in maybe or maybe you want to get out of yeah it's like one of those it's almost like putney swope kind of sort of of, yeah it's like this it's a critique on like society and maybe like a particular industry and it starts to make you think about like the layers of like entertainment the layers of sex especially that frankie goes to hollywood scene when they just show up and you know, Jay's, it's a music video. It's weird. yeah, it's bizarre. It's like a it's a music video slash porno. I don't mm. know. It's like all of a sudden our main star Jake is making love to uh, Melanie Griffith's character, Holly, yeah. Holly, who's a porn star, and it's such a weird scene, especially the camera technique, the spin around, and and yeah, like it's over very... the top. Like I know they're in a porno, but I mean like. The over-the-top, like, sex scene, and, like, <laughs> it's just... Or it just calls back to Gloria on the beach, right? Gloria on the beach, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, it seems like Jake, sorry, I keep reading names, okay. but Jake can only think of women as one or two ways. It's yeah. like, uh, it's either be a person who needs to be yeah. saved or someone who's, you know, wicked is trying to corrupt you. And for him, yeah, I guess so, yeah. it's kind of interchangeable. Man, yeah, Jake is, I mean, for a lead man, um, he's very, like, it almost reminds me of the star to live and die in L.A., where it's, like, you didn't see him in a lot of movies, like, I don't know, like, he's not a very, like, 
You wouldn't think of him as an 80s leading man. I don't know. Well, I think, yeah, he could only be a leading man in the 80s because it's just yeah. like... But he has his face, which is just a very regular face. It's not like a leading yeah. man kind of... He's got a good profile face. Right. Yeah. It's not like an Al Pacino. No. Or he's like not exactly like... He's like Andrew handsome. McCarthy almost. He reminds me of Andrew McCarthy. Really? <laughs> like his brother or something. I don't know. Yeah, sort of like a Fred McMurray or something. Sort yeah. Of like a very classic. He's like the white third American man down. Race. Like, like there's a whole layer of them. Like, is he, he's not Mickey Rourke. He's not Al Pacino. Yeah. Okay, he's like down there. I think he's perfect for this role, though. Yeah. Well, he, the problem, I guess, was going for that every man sort of thing that Hitchcock did with like James Stewart or Fonda. Mm hmm. Um,. But he, there's something about his face and the way he performs his role is that it's very, it's much closer to reality. You know what I mean? It's, it's much, believable. Yeah, exactly. It's much more of a character that you would see on the street because he, the Palma lets him have all these creepy desires yeah. that usually wouldn't be so explicit about in movies made 20 years before this. No, I agree with you. He doesn't, especially when he goes into the porno underground scene. So mm. his hair back, exactly. his jacket, I'm just like, oh god, like this, who well, is this guy? He's like learning to perform, which is learning what saves him in the end. Yeah. That's right. Which is what, uh, well the ending where he, uh, Holly is being buried alive by Sam, his friend, who he thought was his friend. Yeah. He only can get himself out of that jam by going back in his mind, having this fantasy of kneeling that scene in the coffin. Yeah. And that... So right. was he in the coffin then? No, he sort of like I like I took it as sort of, oh. sort of like fantasizing about if I'm gonna survive this. You gotta go back to that place. You gotta go back to the place that scares me the most: the coffin, being buried alive, claustrophobia. I gotta deal with these things first. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, and then it's a, it's an example of fake it till you make it, where he just performs even though he doesn't really have that courage. See, the way I took that scene toward the end when, as you just described, is like, I just thought the whole movie's fake. Like, yeah. I just thought the whole movie, it's a movie within a movie. Yeah. And like, maybe he is an actor acting mm. a part, and this whole thing is fake. It's sort of like this weird meta, like, idea it's of very like, meta. taking yourself out and then reminding you that it's like, not a real reality. I don't know how to describe it. Like... It's, very, it's an interesting thing that he does because it works. It makes sense, right? As you're yeah. watching it. You don't, you're not like, you don't think it's like a plot hole or anything. It's just like, it makes sense on an emotional level, I think. There's many moments like that throughout the movie, specifically when Gloria dies mm -hmm. by the hands of the Indian with the drill. That's the, you know, classic scene, if I may say. Yeah. Centerpiece. So violent, right? That scene. Very 80s. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Uh, it's you like, wouldn't it's see like, that now. For it's sure. like Thief meets Freddy Krueger. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's just like, no one has that creativity for violence anymore, I don't think. I think they do have a creativity for it. The problem is, is that, like, we just don't, as a culture, like, our idea of violence is, like, changed. I don't know how to describe Maybe. it. Maybe. I mean, this movie was very... It didn't make its money back. It just, the thing after Scarface. It, was, it was sounds successful. like it was a bomb. And to yeah. tell you the truth, I didn't know this movie existed yeah. until recently, I think. Um, I forgot where I heard about it. But even though I liked the Palma, I think I just sort of glossed over it because it's, it's sort of in that post Scarface era where, like, 
Yeah. You know, some people could make the argument where it's like, he wasn't the same after, man. You know what I mean? Like, it just he felt could, I guess. like... I don't know. It's just it's, it's very easy to skip over, and I think it's a, I think I told you about this. Uh, it's a it's a forgotten '80s movie, and it should be sort a of. classic in my opinion because it embodies everything '80s, like the yeah. music, the lighting, the characters, like De Palma. Though his career was being criticized for all his violence, all the nudity, which some might call exploitation or misogyny, but I think this movie it is, is like trying movie, yeah. to be self-critical. It is, yeah, about the idea of that kind of man portrayed by Jake. Yeah. What kind of man is that? Even he wants to again. be a savior, protector, but he also creep. wants to be <laughs> a creep who just wants to possess a woman. I wouldn't say creep. I think it's more of like a voyeuristic... Remember, he's, he's coming off heart, heartbreak where he sees his girlfriend, like, yeah. literally, like, having sex but with There are some moments where he goes a bit too far. Yeah, but, but remember, this is the 80s. Different Even for time. the 80s, people thought it was too far. You think so? I don't know. I Go mean, ahead. like, stealing a woman's underwear. That's so... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That is so weird when he did that. And then after she's murdered, the detective notices that he still has He's the like, underwear in He's like, you got the panties in your pocket, huh? Yeah, you're a creep, you're a sex offender. Yeah. Huh? And he's like, no, no, he's I'm like, just And then the detective's like, well, you probably had sex with her and decided to keep a souvenir, yeah. didn't you? And he's like, no, 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 no. No, yeah, so he is a creep. I love that scene. It's great. So, yeah. like, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of... <laughs> but it's a great character, though, for a movie. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's a... Uh, he's carried... Most of the time, he's just being carried along by the plot. Yeah. He's been doing very little until after... Um, yeah, he's like flirting through it. Yeah, yeah. To actually take um, control of what's happening. Like so. the Tower Records scene when he goes in there to get the Holly porno. Yeah. And the guy's like... He goes in there, he's like, I'm looking for the Holly porno, and the dude's like, yeah, we got it over here. He's like, where? And he's all like, over here. Like, it's like the, the clerk was like, already knew what type of guy he was. He's like, dude, over here. Like, yeah. behind the saloon doors or whatever, you know? There's just some, someone like, I don't know. Something about him. It's like, I don't know. He's not... He's a good representation of the modern man, I think. And when I say this... Men. Yeah. Uh -huh. And when I say this, is that he has both sides to him. He has, you know, the fatherly, weird side, I don't know. We want best, what's best for people, but he also has the creeper side, I don't know. The side that only comes out when, like, the desire is there, I don't know. It's like, it's a very complicated. As always, men and humans are very complicated, and they can't be filtered down to one specific, you know, character definition. What do you think about this movie tries to deal with critiques of the, of the way the Pommel films women, of the way he films violence. Very self-aware. It's almost like a, it's almost like a F-eater critics, I think. Definitely, that's the way he intended it, really. Yeah. Um, but um, what do you think of that? Do you think that his movies are misogynistic in some way, even though it may be unintended? Man, it, it's so complicated that I don't even think... Because you could write his movies off as misogynistic, specifically now in today's world where... We look at everything in such a different view. Even watching this movie, I'm like, dude, you can't get away with that now. You know, you can't, mm. you know. And it's true. Specifically 80s movies, too. I think the 80s movies were very sexy, very sultry, very, like, there's a lot of nudity, like, women, like, the way women were filmed. And, like, you know, I, I keep thinking of that creepy Scarface scene, dude, at the end of the movie with his sister. Oh, yeah. He's like, don't you want me, Tony? Right? This and that. <laughs> that scene. Uh -huh. And that sums up De Palma's work, I think, where it's like, 
he knows how to like mess with the viewer. He knows yeah. how to like get inside the viewer's head, I think. And I think in body double, he gets in your head and he makes you think about women, makes you think about our ideas of sex, desire, creeper, uh, culture, uh, watching somebody, specifically watching it nowadays and knowing what we know about social media and the internet. Like I feel with this movie, it's sort of like a preview to our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, how we're all sort of creepers now. We can just get on a platform yeah, or definitely. social media and watch somebody live their life or, you know what I mean, and be sexy or something, and they're your toy, you know? They're your desire for that two minutes or whatever. Yeah, it's that constant. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jake Struggle represents, I mean, I don't want to say all men, but a lot of men struggle, which is like you have these two things, <laughs> two forces fighting, yeah. as I do. Yeah. And you're trying to fight back the bad side. But then there's Sam, the bad guy. Yeah. And he wants out of his marriage, which I think is hilarious. Like, right. And not only that, I think it seems like he really hates his wife. <laughs> he does. He does. Like when he, he kills does. her. He... he dresses up like an Indian guy, for God's yeah. sakes, you know, to kill her. It's also really racist, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like when he kills her, you notice that he's like stepping on her chest as he's pulling out the drill. Yeah, that just that's, such that, a that's like the most traumatic and violent image of the movie because yeah. it just seems like this guy really hates women. Yeah, to go and do all this shit, man. It just yeah. seems like he's like in another place, yeah. and now with you know, a lot of men still hate women. Obviously, this is they a do. country that constantly punishes women. I think it's just, just a world. Women. Just a world. The world hates sure. women. It's half the population somehow. And men yeah. still feeling you to hate them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know. This movie doesn't... I don't think this movie goes deep enough into why. Nor does it want to. No, it's an 80s movie. Well, not, not only yeah. an 80s movie. It's it very... I think it's very... People don't give it enough credit for how much subtext there is about... Yeah, the dissection of it is very limited. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think about that generation of filmmakers guys making movies in the 80s and like everybody was sort of misogynistic it felt like it felt like there was a lot yeah, of movies definitely. Like, when I think of them like even To Live and Die in LA that movie's like the way they treat the women in that movie it's like, very no- a Norish you know slapping yeah women, a lot of and slapping of the ladies them around Jesus yeah so I'm not surprised this movie you know the views on women like even Melanie Griffith's character where mm-hmm. she's all like you like my smile I thought you liked me and my smile you told me you liked my smile and like Great performance by her. Oh, I, I wish there was more of her, but yeah, I guess. You yeah, can. she's only in the movie for what half hour, maybe. Yeah, like the last forty minutes. minutes or something. Forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, she's so cool. I don't know. She looked like a really like cool person to be around. I don't know. I like that character. Definitely. And what does she have? Like a New York accent or something? Like I could. Like, it's a very strange one, huh? Yeah. Just like a now. Like a Brooklyn or something. I don't, I don't know. think so. I think it was more like that accent was more like tough kid. Yeah, tough kid from the Depression yeah. era. You like my smile? It was very strange. It was, you know. Yeah, and she's uh, almost childlike in that movie too. Sorry, of, but she's also very aware of her place. She's very aware what of what she her, wants and what she, she doesn't want to do. Of her body, how she like. Yeah, she knows how she's perceived. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, especially telling is the ending where um, after Jake, um, essentially saves both of their lives. And she's still in the grave, and she wakes up. She's, been <laughs> she's like, get off of me, you creep! Yeah, you know, like, he, like, she's out his hands to help her out of the grave. It's still not enough for her. Well, no, she knows what kind of guy he is. 
is. Yeah. Yeah. She does know what type of guy he is. He knows exactly what kind of guy he is. So, it's, I don't know. He, he might finish the job. She doesn't know. So, here's my question to the movie. Are there any good guys in the movie? Not really, no. Even the detective was a little nasty. <laughs> it's a classic diploma detective. He's just... Oh, definitely. Where'd you learn how to speak English? Yeah. No, like, Dennis Franz as the director, you know, the way he fires Jake and, like... I don't know, it just felt like all the dudes in the movie were just really nasty. And like... Yeah, I mean, it's very much on purpose, right? Yeah, except Frankie goes to Hollywood. And those, uh, those guys were just more looking to do yeah. a video. And such guess, a random scene. It's very 80s. Yeah, like, I mean, I love that scene. I think it's perfectly yeah. of everything it's else. Awesome. yeah. Um, well, I mean, in terms of uh, the Palmos filmmaking, yeah. What do you think about the way he uses the camera and editing? Man, the editing's awesome in this movie. The timing with the music, the cuts. I'm trying to think of this, but you know, the telescope scene where mm -hmm. he first sees her. I love the cutting back and forth, the camera, how it sort of has this like zoom in, the blinds. Mm -hmm. You could barely see her, and you start to think, maybe this show's for me. You know what I mean? You start to question a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, um... <laughs> he knows how to draw you in with the sexuality. Definitely. I mean, he. I think he always like even in his bad movies, they're worth watching because he just does stuff with the camera that not. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Untouchables. Do. I'm thinking of like some of the shots in that movie. Or dude, Carlito's Way. Like yeah. man, like Car I always forget about Carlito's Way and how good that movie is. Yeah, it's like, great. It's such a good movie. And yeah. Even the camera work in that and like the lighting, the reds and the blacks and like the. Uh, the cutting in Carlito's way, like specifically with that scene with like Sean Penn on the dance floor, and he's like, "You're not letting him touch your lady like that," and mm -hmm. like the camera shot he uses. You know? He just knows how to put together a good suspenseful sequence. He knows yeah, how to he keep does. you watching. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and I'm starting to think about his lady characters now. Mm -hmm. There's just I don't know. Carlito's way, it's the same thing. The way women are treated, you know. But I'm just starting to think that's just how it, that's how it went back then, man. You know, directors, how they saw women, and <clears throat> how they felt about him. Well, I think for the problem, at least from what I've heard of, of him in the interviews, is that, for example, in this movie, uh, there's, there's a, several scenes of a man watching a woman, a man chasing a woman, a, woman, a man trying to kill a woman, and he just thinks he does that, because he just thinks that people, people are more invested in seeing a woman being chased yeah, it's kind of like Hitchcock, though. Hitchcock does right. the same thing with, like, two characters at a table. One of them, like, the audience the audience knows there's a bomb under the table. Yeah. You know, our need for violence, our need for, like... Yeah, dramatic irony. Dramatic, the classic, sexuality. Such an easy classic thing that you learn about. What was the last sexy movie that came out? I mean, like, movie okay. where it was kind of like this, where it was kind of like... The nudity, the nudity in this movie is over the top, and it should have been rated X, I think, you know, because there's just so much nudity. Yeah, it did at first, then. That's right, you fought it or something, You had right? to cut stuff out, like, yeah. 30 seconds I wonder what that cut was. I wonder what the first cut was. I don't like. think it was that much, honestly. No? Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think cinema, especially American cinema, has become increasingly chaste and sexless, and, yeah. um... I think our, you know what the irony is, is that our culture, I think, is more fucking right. driven by sex mm -hmm. and driven by pornography, and then our movies have flipped in some sort of weird yeah, way. Yeah, we're very uh, puritanical now, we're very... Uh... When it comes to movies, and we shouldn't be that way when it comes to movies, in my opinion. 
No, definitely not. I mean, we're just very sanitized now. How like, weird, huh? Like, I'm trying to think of... I was trying to think earlier of a thriller like this movie yeah. that is, is um, both te technically proficient and that a good director knows how to shoot, knows how to cut things together, and is also willing to just deal with dark subject matter in a way that's not trying to make a um, lot of it, not try to exploit it, but just simply entertain the audience. And I couldn't think of one movie like that. And I was thinking maybe Get Out, maybe, but I mean, like, even then, it's, yeah, it's, it's really. different. It's you different. Know, it's different. Like, but, yeah, it's just weird. I don't know. Like, there's no movie that's, like, what you just said. Like, yeah, there's, like, no, like, straight-ish thriller with sexiness. And, like, I'm trying to think of the last sexy movie, but I just can't. But, um... But it's just weird how our, our world is going, our society is going, as the movies are becoming more puritanical. Even like who's casted, you know what I mean? And even mm. who's like put in the movie, it's very puritanical and very like driven yes. by other motives. And right. I just feel like. I think I love it. But it's so weird though, because you could get lit you could get pornography on your phone right. at any moment, and like people have so much access to like sultry sexiness people have their own channels now and like only fans and like you can just see it is that why you think you think that's why because it's so available we're just sort of like eh, it's there i mean there was like an increasing sex positivity from the 80s onward after the aids crisis i yeah. would assume after the 90s and then somehow in the last few years to me it seems like there's been like a puritanical backlash there has like the amount of sex scenes in movies now i've noticed gone down. Same thing with gun violence, gone down. Like online, I've seen a lot of complaints about how people don't want to see sex scenes that they don't contribute to the plot, which is, you know, hmm. it's weird to me. I mean, I think, not to get too pretentious, but movies <laughs> are about capturing human experience and human emotion, and we can't just always just write things so they move the plot forward. Sometimes That's true. human beings Characters in movies are just doing things because they're human beings. Like in The Reader, Kate Winslet, she has sex with that young guy. I didn't see that movie, but sure. Right. You didn't see, yeah, in that movie, that's like an older woman having sex with a younger guy. And it moves the story forward and it works, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, there was that other Robin Wright Penn movie. And Naomi Watts, I believe. Which and one? they have sons and they do like a son uh. swap. <laughs> And it's like, it. it's like, it's a real movie. I'm not making this up. I forgot what it's called. But they sense swap on a vacation. And like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those. It sounds like the plot line of a porno, but supposedly it's a good movie. I haven't seen it, but I think that was the last movie to really turn heads. Back to Body Double. But I agree with you. Our culture has changed so much in terms of how we view women and violence that when watching this movie, it's almost like a, the perfect time capsule of the 80s, in my opinion, mm. specifically Los Angeles, too. Just seeing L.A. in the 80s, they used the actual Tower Records on Sunset. I never went to that one, but it was cool just seeing, like, places in the 80s, how it was, you know what I mean? Very cool setting. Yeah, it's very much a product of its time. Mm -hmm. It's also trying to figure out, oh, how, well, just movies, how men, how women... I've gotten to that point in time where there's just so much, what's the word, uh, I guess conflict, <laughs> mostly directed towards women by men, so much inner, you know, something, there's like something there that has been driven there by the patriarchy, capitalism, and there's, it's just winds up feeling empty, winds up feeling kind of depressing, honestly, by the end. 
Yeah. There's like no resolution, honestly. I mean, the bad guy is dead, but there's no big resolution. It just, like, the movie ends with that shower scene. And they're yeah. setting up that shot of Jake as the vampire yeah. in the studio. And what is it? He's, like, biting a woman's neck that's in the shower mm-hmm. to get the body double in. And all comes full circle. Yeah, right. I mean, he like, got... Hold that shot. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, DePaul calling, again, uh, the attention to the absurdity and the artifice of not just making movies, but the movie itself. Yeah, that's just a double of a double of a double. And it's, it's like almost like a, almost. it's almost like this weird philosophical take on the absurdity of like movie making too. Yeah, Hollywood. Definitely. How your chances you could go from like nothing to something and so quickly. You know what I mean? And there's that scene where um, Jake runs into his actor friend at a party or something. He's, he's with Holly, and Holly thinks That's like right. that his friend is in the porn business. In the porn, but she's not in the porn business. No, it's such a weird like, scene. Right yeah, so it's like two worlds coming together and then blowing up it's weird right and yeah like you said there's like that thin line that can just be crossed over so easily yeah and like one filmmaking movies hollywood that scene is all well and good but then you like go down the street and it's pornography now let's talk more about de palma as a filmmaker let's do it um there it's too bad just for me that there's no more filmmakers like him they're as technically proficient and knowing where to put the camera, and knowing how to cut a sequence together. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just a lot of people just putting different shots together. <laughs> but there's no actual cinema. I know what you're saying. Because De Palma comes from that background of, like, Hitchcock. I'm, I would even say Douglas Sirk. There's almost, yeah, like, this weird, like, melodrama. It's the color. It's a bright color. It's bright the stages. Colors. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the closest to that guy, I mean, nowadays, I can't think of any guy nowadays, but to come after him is uh, Juan Carlos. I mean, I don't know, like, that's one guy that comes to mind. It just seems like, I don't know, there's something missing now. There's, You know what it is? I think I know, it's, I know what you're getting at, mm-hmm. and I feel this way sometimes, too. And um, I think what you're getting at is that I think we just, younger generations just looked up to different filmmakers. And we forget about the technical side, just how good-looking the movie is, how editing proficient it is, the music placement. Yeah. Um, I think that that's one of the reasons. And then also, we just look up to different people, I think. You know? I mean, that's true, but I also think we can do all those things and still maintain semblance. Credibility? Of, yeah, semblance of talent, you know, actual effort. And, I mean, yeah. I think Scorsese was right to call out the Marvel movies. That's everybody, like, no, dude, like, everybody should be calling, everybody that works in the industry and makes movies should be calling out those movies. Yeah. Because, dude, should. like, you should have that rebellious attitude towards right. those movies because that's the machine now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You should Definitely. be saying F you to them, but now it's sort of like, dude, it's exactly like the NBA. I'm sorry to get off track here. Okay, go ahead. It's exactly like the NBA nowadays where it's, if you can't beat them, join them. And that's what's happening. It's a, it's a whole overarching theme of our culture now, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's just like... I mean, obviously, making movies is going to be a commercialized, commodified yeah. industry because they're very expensive to make and they got to make a lot of money back to keep making them. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to make these like little, weird, movies, yeah. sort of extreme movies that are going to have a small audience, that are going to put a lot of people off, are going to get a lot of criticism. It's so much easier to invest 
100, 200, $300 million into one big movie yeah. that the widest possible audience is going to want to watch yeah. than these little movies that might yeah. in a way, its budget. In a way, we're, we're living in a, in, a, in a movie culture that's similar to the 80s, I think. Yeah. Big studios, big money, tentpole, action movies. And I still think there's hope for those little movies. Will people look up to De Palma and say, man, this guy's a great filmmaker? I hope so, because I agree with you. His technicality of filmmaking is amazing, mm. you know, and more people should watch his movies and, like, I mean, I just think we just look up to different people, I think, maybe. I think our... And also the internet's changed things. Definitely. We're, like, desensitized to, like, everything now. I yeah. don't know how to describe yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very much true. We're desensitized. Violence, sex, yeah. you name it, we and also have it in front of us. We're living in like TV utopia. Yeah. So right now our, our ideas are more, I think, story driven. I don't know how to describe it. It's more like story arcing series, you know, like what's going to happen in episode five. Right. Eight. It's just something that's meant to keep, keep you watching. Keep you watching. Binging. Yeah. It's like the heroin type of thing. Keep them back, you know, keep them coming back. Right, and so when that happens, it's just a matter, it's not a matter of time, it's already happening. It's gonna, it's gonna be TV shows, movies designed by algorithms, put together by market mm -hmm. research. Oh, market research. It's just Okay, gonna... so what's the point of, mar sorry, <laughs> what's the point of market research if you have an algorithm? Isn't that the first wave of jobs that are gonna go next due to, like, technology? What's the point of having market research when you have the computer algorithm to determine everything? That's right. It's true. Sorry. So they're, they're going to go away soon, too, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes... Unless algorithm. they control it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the algorithms are perfect now. Yeah. And a, a lot of companies, studios, are going off based on social media. <sighs> around what people are saying on the internet. Not really critics. Yeah. Just much. people. We've come full circle to yeah. episode one, Rotten Tomatoes. Right. It's about consensus now. Jesus. It's about what Thank God help us. What do we think collectively about this yeah. movie or this TV like, show? Like honestly, the whole Rotten Tomatoes culture thing. Like I think we should trust critics, movie critics. We should trust them. I think they're pretty weak now, honestly. They're weak. Yes, I agree. But then I would rather hear their review than right. a Rotten Tomatoes review. I don't know why. That's just me. Yeah, I mean. There's something about next generation, not that I'm ancient or anything, I'm not old. You're not. <laughs> but I know. <laughs> but um But you do feel old though, because the world has changed like so many times. Right. It's just gonna keep changing faster. But besides that, my point is that next generation, Gen Z, Zoomers, Okay. <laughs> uh but um there's a lot of I I respect how much they like to shit on the things we like and the things that Gen X likes and baby boomers like. Uh, They're just yeah. sort of forging their own path. It's but a what's less... the path, though? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know yet. We don't know our path. Know. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out the millennial path. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, but anyway, back to the Palma. Let's be ask about We went, <laughs> we went right, way off. <laughs> it, all connects, it all connects. Yeah. Because he's very... Um, he was always so willing to be controversial and be disliked. Because, like he said, he was never really in it for the money. He just wanted to make these movies yeah. and put his obsessions... Yeah. Film. No, yeah, I agree. So that sort of thing, sort of freedom to, to do stuff like this movie, like Body Double, do things like Dress to Kill, do things like um, Scarface, man. Scarface, yeah, such to a go good as far as he did with that. Yeah, Carlito's Way. Yeah, I mean, 
especially Scarface, when that movie came out, nobody liked it. It made its money back. It made its money back, but, but I mean, dude, it, it changed everything. Yeah. That movie, like, changed. It's one of the few movies, I think, that actually influenced culture. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it contributed to the birth of hip-hop culture mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, it just like, it birthed everything in some weird way. Yeah, in some weird way, Tony Montana's a hero, too. He's a hero to me. Latinas. Yeah. All I kind of, looked up to him. I still yeah. do. Yeah. Um, Gagne, <laughs> Bogart. Well, you know. You know. I got so much octopus that are coming out of my ears, man. I so, so much of it, man. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, hear it for Al Pacino, man. What an That's such a great movie, dude. Yeah. Scarface. I think we don't take it. We take it for granted because it's just like it's public in, domain. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? It's in like it's in, it's in mesh in the culture now. It's everywhere. It's, it's at there. every swap like meet you go to or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. But Brian De Palma. Great director. Yeah, he's know. capable of just constructing these yeah. suspenseful sequences. Like, I was sort of watching the Odessa Step sequence in The Untouchables. Yeah, I love that scene. Yeah, it's like amazing. I, it's like, just when like, I like when De Niro bashes that dude's head. In. <laughs> yeah. It's a baseball bat. What did you say before that? Oh, it's some like catchy wise guy line. It's like, it's strike three, you're out. Oh, it's funny, like, you know, you know what's the most American thing? Baseball! Hey, like, oh, you know, that's right, I love that. Pulls out the baseball yeah. bat. Pulls out the baseball bat. Um, yeah, that movie is like so aware of itself, because if you're going to cast someone as Al Capone, it's got to go for the biggest yeah. gangster you can find, I guess, is Robert De Niro. De Niro, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you have that Odessa step sequence where it's just like, it's so simple, it's so primal, it's just a couple, it's just a, like a group of guys killing each other in a train station. And then with this one guy trying to save a baby from falling down the stairs. That's true, yeah. And it just, it's hypnotic. You just yeah. can't watch it. And there's something to that sequence that just sort of, it's about what's movies, making movies is about. Same thing, yeah. I've seen it the Carlitos Way subway yeah, station. Yeah, that last 15, 20 minutes. Just yeah, or that scene in the bar. Yeah. With the pool table in yeah, yeah the doom, that music in the back. Yeah, I'm not even gonna sing this song. It's or when like, Turn it up, I love this song. Mm -hmm. That guy. <laughs> or when Kleinfield gets stabbed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all like, yeah, when they stab, like when they stab him. He's like, he's like, he makes that messed up face. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when he when he reaches for his gun beneath the pillow. In the hospital. Yeah. yeah. And then Carlito told him, man, you know, you want to put it over here. He's like, yeah. you know. It's just. Um, just I miss that like, kind of filmmaking. It just seems like I think what I think what safe now. I think something's on the way in terms of rebirthing that type of violence and sexual outlook, and I hope it is. I hope it's on the way. Will it happen? Pro I don't it's think not, so. I, well, I just maybe, don't think it will come back. I don't think it's even about sex or violence. It's just caring about how you make a movie. How you make a movie. You're making a movie which is a visual art form. You're cutting things together. You're piecing and pieces of. You're piecing images together piecing in a way that's together. gonna make you feel something. I don't feel, I don't feel like... It's a lot of talking now. It's like a lot of talking. It is a lot of talking. I think it goes back to a few things. I think a lot of things have to happen. Lazy coverage. I don't know, man. I don't like anything. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of things, I know what you're saying. A lot of things have to happen in order for us to get back to that. And I think the reason why like those generation of filmmakers were able to do what they did at such a younger age is because the culture they were brought up with, mm -hmm. also the guys they looked up to, and then also I think they just, they got in their like thousand hours watching movies. Yeah. I mean, they would be able to go to the movies for a dollar a day and watch three movies or something yeah. absurd. So I... And I think 
I want, I mean, I watch, I prefer to watch older movies now because they're just made in a way that it's not so, doesn't make me feel empty when I'm done watching them. Like if I watch a crime thriller from five years ago, odds are I'm not really not going to like it. I'm Isn't think that it's weird? Okay. And then you watch a crime thriller from like 40 years ago. Yeah, you're, like, more, you're more moved by that. Right. Throwing a war or something from the 40s. And I'm engaged. I feel for the characters. I wonder if people. In the, I, I think people in the '80s felt the same way, though. They probably watched something mm. and they'd be like, oh, "I'd rather watch this like 1950 melodrama or something." Yeah, back then it was like, "No, oh, it's all Star Wars now, or it's all slasher it's, movies." Yeah, it's all sla slasher movies. Yeah, but the big thing about like back then in the '80s is that I feel like okay, one thing that's missing now, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is the fu mentality. I think. Yeah, I think that's definitely. I think that's a huge thing because those guys when they came out they had a huge fu toward the baby boomer parents, and nowadays people don't know who they're saying fu to. <laughs> they just like they're sort of. I just yes. don't think. I don't know. It's very hard to rebel when you have a phone in your hand that has everything you've ever wanted. But it's anyway, thank you for watching. Movies are, are dead. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody.